0: hey this is david rovix with another uh, wednesday noon uh during the winter uh little um event and this time it's not a uh concert it's going to be a little discussion with matt ward who is a wonderful musician and journalist um, based out of the area, uh, sydney australia and um this is as usual going out live on various platforms and it'll be uh up in podcast form afterwards, if you look for this week with David rovix wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, Matt Ward's new album is called "Why I Protest," and you'll find it on Bandcamp, mattward.bandcamp.com, Matt with one T, as you can see on the screen. If you're looking on the screen, and with no further ado, Matt Ward. Hey, <laughs> great to have you thanks, on my little show. Thanks, so, thanks for
1: having me on, David. Yeah. Uh, a radio station described me as Matt Ward with it, with one T as in doormat the other day.
0: Oh, that's really great. So then everybody yeah. can think about doormats. That's wonderful association.
1: Yeah. The kind of guy that gets walked all over, yeah.
0: <laughs> this album, I mean, I know just i just have to say for everybody out there this album is absolutely fantastic and i i didn't really listen to it closely until this morning i mean i had sort of had it in the background at some point or when you first sent me the link but i didn't give it the kind of listen that i needed to give it and th- and i did this morning it's just an absolutely fantastic album and i just have to say that um first of all it reminds me quite a bit of manu chow stylistically right. um but but i think the reason why it reminds me and and, and i don't i haven't even got sophisticated enough to know how to like play songs during live streams but people can go to the band i mean it's just one click away right it, yeah. but hopefully they'll be tempted to check it out but like um i think one of the reasons it reminds me of manu chow is because of the extremely wide variety of sonic um textures and and just sounds and and styles that you have going from one song to the next and um and i I mean and i just also have to say but just right off the bat that the only thing i don't like about it is the subtitle an album based on protest chants, because if you didn't say that nobody i mean i don't i wouldn't think that and and i would just think wow i mean it's like an album based on protest chants but 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 it's but these songs are all so good and 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 they get to the essence of what the chant is all about and you're also doing the chants in when the chants are in the songs as part of the chorus they just seem like great political choruses and and just i have to just sort of disclose as a political songwriter myself that i write my i write songs a lot based on chants and but i don't necessarily mention right I, I mentioned after the song maybe if anybody's wondering like that that the chant came first you know but people often think oh man yeah who would jesus bomb what a great song like like they think i came up with that but of course i didn't and i didn't come up with what would jesus do either which is what who would jesus bomb as a as a as a saying was based on this this christian uh thing but but anyway it's fantastic album and i just uh, i i just i mean it's a kind of a big question but how do you go about coming up with such a wide variety of of, of, of backgrounds for, the, for for all the music i mean i I've, I've worked with djs but I, I've never actually interviewed one or, or like how do, how do you how do you do that's it's, it's a, an amazing process.
1: Oh thank you very much. That's a huge compliment um, to come up with the stylistically this kind of genre that it is you mean mm-hmm. Like, well I was trying to because pick... I
0: know I see you're working with several other artists in the credits and 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 it, I guess other artists were involved with providing the music and you're crediting them and I don't know how much of that is sampled and how much of that is you playing instruments that you recorded um no, it's all, it, it's obviously all... it's not live right?
1: Yeah all the all the music's written arranged produced mixed mastered by me there's one guest on the album, a rapper, who does a chorus on uh, the song um, Why Are You in Riot Gear? I Don't See No Riot Here. That's an aboriginal rapper, a friend of mine from um, the Outback, calls himself an Outback rapper, Lucky Luke. Great. Um, but um, stylistically, I was trying to do something different because the evil Spotify tells me I listen to 350 genres, different genres a year or more. Um, because I uh, do That's got to be a record. I no, mean, that's got, that's amazing.
0: <laughs> that, that's an amazing number listen. of genres. How many other people listen to 350 genres? Because I mean, it's it's very evident in in your music. And of course, yeah, we yeah, want to talk to you about music reviewing too. But which is obviously why you're listening to 350 different genres.
1: That's right. There's a guy, but there's also a guy in Canada called Chris who does a, um, a Twitter handle called the ongoing history of protest songs. You probably know him. Yeah, and he, yeah. Told, he, he told me he listened. Spotify told me he listened to. Five hundred or something—it beat mine Ooh. anyway. <laughs>
0: oh, he's got you beat. He, he's in the same yeah. kind of—he's doing the same kind of thing you're doing in terms doing of like massive numbers of album reviews.
1: Yeah, he's listening to tons and tons of music, like me. Yeah, tons of different music. So I wanted to do with this album. I wanted to do something that's not been heard before, and um, stylistically. So it's kind of blending um, drum and bass, which is, is a very fast form of dance music that I uh, grew up with, going to raves all the time um about 174 bpm and then it's bringing in another genre called future bass which is this very sort of cute synthesizer based music but i've tried to bring sort of organic elements in with it as well so guitar a lot of it's based on guitar samples um so with this album because we were in lockdown i usually when i'm out and about i usually have my laptop in my bag and i'm able to duck into libraries or food courts or whatever with the plug When it starts raining so i can just get my music done then you know i've got a family i know you've got 12 kids or something i've got i've got one kid i've got one kid that's enough you know so you've got to grab the chances where you can to compose things so because there was nowhere to plug in during the pandemic you weren't allowed in libraries or food halls or anything i'd carry my phone in my pocket with a studio on it called Cubasis Three, which is like a digital audio workstation, and I would listen to guitar samples or a little sample that I found here and there, and then I would improvise my own melody over the top of it on the, you know, on the bar of soap-sized studio that was working on, like a little piano on the mobile phone screen, and uh, that way I amassed like a hundred riffs over about six months, and then I chose the best handful, the catchiest handful. That would fit the protest chants that I'd sampled, um, you know the you ones were that were recording fit the play.
0: these riffs. You were playing the guitar parts and recording these riffs.
1: Are you saying? No, Is the, it, the, or the guitar. Where, where I,
0: were you getting these guitar? Uh, these guitar um,
1: parts. I mean, wh- where were you finding sample, them? Guitar samples are mostly put yeah. out by um, sample pack creators. Uh, there's a there's a there's some very savvy guys in. Um in, in Atlanta who called cymatics, who put out tons of free packs. Um, they're like a freemium one where they give a load of free stuff away and then people feel obliged to buy stuff off them <laughs> They've become they've actually become very rich of this model. Um, but cool. a lot of those are free, free samples from them. Um, and uh, so I would take that as inspiration. Uh, often I would throw away the sample after I've you know come up with my own riff off of it. Um, sometimes I keep them, so some of the some of the tunes have guitar and some don't. Um, and then it has then then the the songs have my own sort of indie sounding vocals over the top of them. It's, I've always got rap, guest rappers on or used uh, voice synthesizers to do my vocals in the past, but all the rappers were telling me to do my own vocals. I hated the sound yeah. of my own voice, as most people do, and it took me ages to get used to the sound of my own voice. Um, but eventually I got over it and uh, so it's the, so it's a bizarre mix of um, you know drum and bass future bass uh, organic guitars and then my indie vocals over the top so it's hopefully sounds nothing like anything out there Manu Chow that's a great compliment because he's a proper musician you know I'm just great a, I mean I would have made
0: it I maybe with your vocals, I, I would have maybe added a little more reverb or something. But I think uh, your vocals are great. And, and that was interesting re- when I was reading right. in the liner notes about how you're, they were telling you, you should just do your own vocals because, yeah, it's, it's fantastic oh, wonderful thank you. delivery. Also, I yeah. like the, the, the way that the, the, you got them blending. Uh, you got them kind of, you know, you're doing stuff with, with uh, you know, studio f- magic uh, with your vocals as well, which is really fun. I, I, yeah, I,
1: thanks. A lot of the vo- people complained that the vocals weren't angry enough. And that's because I was having to do them while my wife and son are asleep a lot of the time. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, I, crouched I, over the I, microphone. And um, the, the one, one that they really liked was the Why are You in Riot Gear? I Don't See No Riot Here. And then I recorded that down in the cellar. Uh, and some neighbors started banging on the ceiling, <laughs> so oh, I couldn't oh do gosh. that again. Although yeah, if yeah, you
0: wanted so to, I mean, I, I know this is getting kind of technical, probably of little interest to some people, but yeah. if, you, if you wanted to remix the whole thing, maybe it is of interest. I don't know. This some, some of these questions I'm asking are so basic, I'm sure, for people who actually know anything about doing mixing and DJing and stuff, but... No, if you good. wanted to do a remixed version of the album uh, w- w- with with n- with new vocal tracks, it'd it, it, be really easy to do, right? The way you had it, uh, I mean, there's no problem with bleed through the way, like the way it is with a lot of folkies recording live vocal, you know, yes. vocal and guitar at the same time. You know, I could
1: I could redo the vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just fine. I mean, I'm time.
0: not suggesting you should, but it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's these kinds of things Next, are easy to do when when yeah, you're recording in such a way.
1: Yeah, next time, next time, next album, I'll try to be more angry. But
0: Find that, a space um, away from the. A, a bit of a tangent, but I'm curious about that that uh, that that outfit for, in Atlanta. How do, how what's their business model? How do they work? Because I, I think for for any of the musicians out there who are listening, um, I think they're always interested in this kind of stuff because it's such a tumultuous right. time to attempt to be a musician.
1: They're called Cymatics and their website is cymatics.fm. They're, you spell it C Y M A T I C S.fm. And they're really into marketing. One of the guys is really into marketing, the other guy's really into sound design. Uh, the guy who's into marketing has read nearly every psychology book on marketing. Uh, so a freemium, uh, freemium is, you know, when you go walk into a sweet shop, you may have seen it in the ice cream shop you work, work in where you give away free samples then people feel obliged to buy. Um, so it's based on that psychology, you know, humans have always felt obliged to repay the favor because we've evolved to be cooperative, you know? Um, so they give away stuff for free and they find that people then buy stuff. People donate.
0: Yeah. Yeah it's yeah. good i mean that's the way a lot of musicians are well that's why i've been doing it for a long time but that's kind of the largely my model uh, but i'm always curious because sometimes people employ that model but then there'll be some kind of a limit or there'll be like you know exclusive content or you know di- better sound quality if you pay and, you know th- these different diff- mechanisms for trying to rope people into becoming paying customers
1: yeah. That's right. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, the funnel, as they call it. Yeah. So, what what gave you the idea to do this particular album based on protest chants? I mean, because I. I, I, I I don't know what what was the what was the was there a particular uh, idea for 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 doing this because I mean as far as I'm concerned it's just a great album full of great songs that are all very political but when you mention in the subtitle that it's based on protest chants and then you of course you listen to it yeah. and with some of it is it's quite evident that that's what you're going for and others it's just like it happens to be a protest chant in the chorus but it doesn't sound like you're fashioning a song around a chant
1: no, I did. I did fashion them all around the chants. Uh, I came, up, so I came. Up, I chose the catchiest riffs, then the chants that would fit the riffs, the catchiest riffs, and then I wrote all the lyrics around them. Um, but it was inspired by just going to protest for years, uh, as, as as you have been, and hearing the chants, and then hearing in my head a tune that could go with them. You know, that was completely different cadence from what was being chanted. Um, and then I mean I'm, I'm always I've done like eight concept albums. I always do concept albums. It always has to have a concept around it for me to get inspired. So there was a new concept that I was looking for and um, I just, uh, you know, there was a time to do it to do that concept. Um, so that's where it came from, yeah. And what about, I,
0: I, I mean, now that I really pay attention to your music this morning, I was just, uh, you know, the, the before listening to some of your stuff, I was like, okay, this is cool if people are into electronic music, and I, I didn't pay enough attention to it. And then yeah. I listened to it more closely, and I realized, like, this doesn't, you don't need to be into electronic music to get into this stuff. You just need to pay attention to it. First of all, you've like, been just really listen to it, and you realize that, that this is actually not, uh, I mean, it, you know, to anybody who's in who's into different kinds of styles of music, and, and you know that I'm coming from a very acoustic kind of background, like, you yeah. know, if you're not into the style of music from a distance, it can sound kind of, uh, you know, all the same to use it, really dismissive yeah, term, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's yeah. how i felt actually the first time i ever heard arabic music to think of a particular example of a type of yeah. music i'm really i really yeah. love listening to now but when i first heard yeah. it i just thought what the heck is this there's no yeah. harmony yet going on i don't understand yeah. it you know but then yeah. uh, you know then you get into it and you realize like oh the, you know what it's actually about like what what it is yeah. about not what it's not about you know it you know it isn't about harmonies it's about a lot of other things you know but yeah, yeah. you know but this but what but I, I kind of feel like your is a real connection between the kind of music you make and the fact that you review and listen to so much different music, because what is so is what does connect so much of your music is the fact it is is the sort of, in a way, disconnect of it, like the fact that it represents so many different styles all in one album.
1: Right. um, Well, yeah, the reason I started making music is because I interviewed an Aboriginal rapper here in Sydney called Provocals, who's a real radical, um, you know, pretty hardline rapper down in South Sydney. And um, he was using all the legal beats, you know, where you rip them off the internet. And so he couldn't put his music on the major. Um, streaming platforms and so on legally so because I loved his poetry so much I thought what if I make him some original beats so I started making hip-hop beats for him made about 40, 40 beats for him uh, he made he did four he made he made four songs out of them. Then gave up rapping, but put that out as an EP that that's real popular. So I started out doing hip hop and then um, went back to my love of doing jungle and so on. But I've also put albums out in a lot slower style, like chill traps. Some of them sound almost classical. I also design like um, synthesizer controllers um, for mobile and and uh, and the iPad and and there's a, there's a real. Um, Huge synthesizer called Omnisphere that a lot of film composers use, and so on. So they've been uh, downloading that one, and uh, they tell me they really like my sort of classical, sort of piano-based, sort of ambient sort of stuff, um, which is the earlier stuff. So it is quite varied in styles. The stuff that I've been doing. It's only the last three albums where it's been this real sort of fast, um, future bassy sort of hybrid sound that you're that you've listened to this morning. Yeah. Does that answer the question?
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so many different places to go with that, but yeah. um, you know, there, I know a lot of musicians, and I'm kind of probably one of them who hardly ever listens to music unless it's live music at a gig somewhere. Yeah, and, well, uh, you're so prolific. Although... There
1: would be no time to. You are so prolific. There would be no time to listen.
0: Time it seems to be part of the thing here, part of the problem. But I don't know what it... I mean, I know other musicians that are kind of like that too and who might have, might have gone through some kind of a phase of listening to a lot of recorded music and then they stopped. But I... I but you you listen to a whole lot of recorded music and you, and because you must have to because you're writing all these reviews and i'm i'm guessing for all yeah. the reviews you're writing there's probably a, a whole bunch of other albums that you're listening to and not reviewing because right. maybe they're That's no right. good and you, you mostly write, write really nice reviews <laughs> i don't see you trashing <laughs> people too much it doesn't seem to be much of your yeah kind of, uh, much interest in, in in reviewing stuff you don't like but you you're doing yeah, a so lot of music reviews
1: yeah, what we're talking about is my monthly political albums roundup for Green Left. Uh, Which
0: is usually reviewed 10 albums, right? Yeah, I mean, greenleft.org,
1: at greenleft.org.au every month. You can find that um, roundup. It's the 10 best polit- political albums of the month. Um, so, yeah, I do listen to an absolute ton of music. And... Um, and uh, that that is a pretty involved process and it involves looking at all the album releases every day, looking at the artwork, looking at the song titles, determining from the artwork and song titles which ones are, might be political, then listening to them, listening to the lyrics. Um, also, I've got alerts, uh, Google alerts and so on on political music and, and so forth um and and then uh, i'm constantly reading the news and emailing myself news items that might relate to the albums that i'm listening to throughout the month and then at the end of the month it's all got to be the albums that relate to that month's political news so i'm selecting only the albums that whose lyrics relate to that what's happened that month in the in the news politically and then arranging them in a way where they all are supposed to flow into each other's you know so the end of one review will flow into the next so that's what determines what gets left in and what gets left out not what's not be, i don't leave the others out because they're rubbish or or whatever it's because i'm trying to fit it to that month's news and um, but yeah it's, often it's about 20 20 20 or 30 albums that i'm listening to every month you know so have got it constantly in the background or, or when i'm cycling or whatever you know um so you,
0: would you say that some of them are rubbish or but by, by the time you you uh, hear about an album and it's one of those 20 or 30 you're, you're listening to then it's probably not rubbish right i mean because you're mainly listening to albums that have been released and have been recorded on a on some kind of a label or there, there's some kind of a vetting process that's gone into this it's not usually just somebody put this out and you found it in a cafe like
1: no, I don't. I don't think any music is rubbish. I, I, the only things I find painful to listen to are really slick soul R and B, um, and thrash metal can be a bit difficult when they're when, when they're roaring out all the lyrics like it's pretty pretty hard. <laughs> but um, I don't. No, that's then you need the liner thing. notes. You know. And you know what? That's the inspiring thing that partly made me write music is I thought, well, you know, if some of these guys are having a go and they're not um, what a lot of people would deem brilliant, um, then everybody should be having a go. And that's why I started making music as well, because it was inspiring to hear all those people just, you know, having a crack at it, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. The DIY ethic. That's been long with us since long before yeah. DIY was a term. There's – um. Yeah. There uh, For uh, anybody who's watching on whatever platform, um, you are most welcome to comment or ask questions. I can see them all. And one person, uh, Torek, is wondering, uh, how do you decide whether an album is a political album, if the majority of songs in it are political?
1: Um, Just by looking at the song titles, first of all, you can usually tell um, when you're trolling that day's releases, new album releases, And then you'll dive in there and listen to it very carefully. In the case of thrash metal, as I was just saying, sometimes you have to search out the lyrics because the lyrics, the vocals, are unintelligible because they're roaring everything, you know. Um, And then, yeah, it's uh, sometimes just one or two songs will be political. Uh, Often it's um, the whole lot, you know. But. yeah sometimes the whole thing isn't as as hard-hitting as you'd want it to be yeah but
0: one of the things i love about your reviews is that there's just a wide variety of styles that you're reviewing and and that's another thing i'm wondering about is like how how did you develop the kind of appreciation for different styles to be able to talk about them like that because i mean for me if i'm talking about a style of music that i'm really unfamiliar with or that i might not have a deep appreciation for like i can tell it's political and 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 maybe it's good if you're into it but i'm just not so into it but that doesn't seem to be you know i seem to have that obstacle as much i mean you you're you're not you're not an elitist
1: (laughs) well i spent 12 years just listening to drum and bass jungle 174 bpm and going to raves you know i'm a cheesy old raver so i did used to be like that um okay but I've always been. I mean, I grew up as a as a kid. I was really into heavy, heavy, heavy rock, and um, you know that sort of stuff. But uh, so I have sort of drifted drifted around genres. But um, no, it's been an education for me as well. You know, looking at all these different artists, listening to those three hundred and fifty plus genres a year, um, and then if I, if I, yeah, I mean, I do like them all because it's it's fascinating to. Music is just a fascinating thing for me, and uh, the more different genres I listen to, the more interesting it is. You know, um, so uh, in terms of uh, sounding like I'm knowledgeable on it, it just takes a hell of a lot of background reading and so on. Um, so you're reading all the artist's history and um, uh, and the genre, reading up about the genre and so on. You know, and, and reading about politics and music and what else has been and what else has been done. You know.
0: In I mean, song, I started um, off
1: making. Yep. Was that? I in, started in the song, making, yeah, and I didn't really. Oh, yeah, we got a
0: two-second delay.
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry, I was just saying. No, I no, you off started making off making hip hop,
0: and
1: yeah, and I didn't really listen to hip hop before before that. You know, it's it's enjoyable to make, but um, you know, it's not uh, it's not something I listen to a hell of a lot, and that's one of the most. Uh, traditionally been one of the most political genres. You know, a lot of people just think it's punk and hip-hop or political music, but there's people doing it in in every area, you
0: know? Yeah, it's interesting with this whole thing with hip-hop, because I mean, yeah. some years ago I started doing a lot of like uh, talking my uh, lyrics. Like I did a right. whole album where most of right. the lyrics were, were talked right. or at least the verses were. And yeah. I guess they were talked in a rhythmic way, in a way that worked with the music but it's nothing that I would call hip hop by any means. And, and I would not claim to be rapping by any means. Cause it just seems like <sighs> I, I feel a little, just a little wrong to say I'm suddenly rapping. Cause I mean, yeah, I've listened to a hell of a lot of hip hop. I mean, you can't possibly live in this country and without doing that which i'm and i'm very yeah. i love hip-hop so i'm you yeah. know I'm not complaining but but like i'm not i wouldn't think of myself as a hip-hop artist you know but then people say oh you're you're rapping and well i guess we could call it that if you want but you know whatever yeah, <laughs> i don't know but if you called that if you called your album hip-hop then i'd be uh then i would i would think i, I mean think about it and i and i and it doesn't to me, I don't I don't hear you rapping so much as like doing something. But no. It's just, whether it's singing no, or whatever. Myself,
1: but... I wouldn't call myself hip hop. That's just what the music I started making instrumentally mm. at the start. for the Aboriginal rapper Pro Vocals that I mentioned, yeah, that was just to right. to make, make music for him. No, I don't I don't make hip hop. Pro Vocals would actually get very angry about white people appropriating hip hop because it's a black art form, you know.
0: If somebody has any comments, yes, somebody asked if I can see your comments on YouTube, I can, and if you have any questions or anything else to say, please feel free. Um, I was wondering about on the, the first track on the album, I, be, I believe there's something autobiographical about that, and that is that is you you're talking about in there when, uh, the, who, who uh, was born in England and, and came to Australia, or was that more of a broad uh, sort of statement about uh, a lot of people in Australia?
1: No, yeah. No, that's my story. That's um, that is, So yeah. the, lyrics, the the song that opens the album is uh, based on the protest chant. Always will, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Uh, so that's my story and how I came to Australia. So the lyrics start off with, I grew up in England depressed because there's no sunshine. One day a mate said down under, it's nothing but good times. I said, I've got 1500 quid because my gran died. I said let's split the cash and fly to the sunshine and that's how I came to Australia and when I got here um it was just completely mind blowing me because the the skies were so blue the place was so beautiful uh, the food was amazing um and I actually felt normal for the first time in my life because uh, you know, I've since discovered I got sad when she's uh, where where you get depressed because of the lack of sunshine. So I felt normal for, for the first time in my life because of the sunshine. Oh, interesting. So I wanted to I wanted to live here, you know. So and then over time, as I um, got to learn the history of the country uh, and what's going on today, um, you know, I got to learn that my feeling normal came at a a great cost to the aboriginal people because they've had their land stolen and uh, they're not only suffering you know from what's happened historically but they're suffering uh, terribly today you know so and um, you have a
0: great song about that on the album as well about um, i mean at least about the aspect of that suffering which is death in police custody and uh, that seems to be a Uh, and and then they say accident we say murder that's the one i'm thinking of
1: yeah they they say accident we say murder is is the chant that that's heard at rallies yeah so the so the album actually samples the actual protest chants where you'd normally have a bridge in the song um which is like a little Mm. different part of the song and it's away from the chorus and, and and verse is where i've put the protest chants so you hear the real protesters chanting uh and um yeah, through all the incidences uh, throughout Australia's history and what's happening today, where they say accident, we say murder, is a repeated um, device that the colonists use, you know, against the Aboriginal people. Um, you know, we accidentally shot the Aboriginal people when we, when, when Captain Cook showed up, you know. Um, we, we, it's, it's an accident that we uh, that, that Aboriginal people get um, incarcerated at record rates just because they happen to be drunk. Well, you brought in the legislation that jails people for swearing and and, and drinking, you know, um, and they're one of the main things that Aboriginal people get jailed for. And then when they get killed in police custody, oh, it was an accident. You know, they, they, we didn't hear them ringing the bell for their medication. Or um, we didn't realize there's hanging points in the cell where they can hang themselves. Um, or, you know, we were just trying to, uh, in the case of one guy just recently in, in a Sydney jail, David Dungay, um, they, five guards jumped on him and crushed him to death because they said he he shouldn't have been eating a biscuit because he's diabetic. They were just trying to protect him, you know, it was an accident. Um, hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's shocking. And, um, yeah, uh, that's the- And what's
0: been happening with, um, in, in terms of uh, since the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States, I know that's had a, a knock-on effect in a lot of other countries, and has that been- uh- has, has that been evident in australia or because i know that the, also the movement against uh, uh to highlight how many aboriginal people are dying in police custody it has yeah, been so a long-standing about, movement but.
1: yeah I see a lot of mainstream white australians look at the black lives matter movement and say oh yeah we support that it doesn't happen in australia <laughs> It no. happens worse it happens worse in australia you know um, it's basically the
0: same phenomenon. I mean, it seems it yes. seems to me coming from here to go to Australia. I see, you know, marginalized, yeah. disenfranchised minorities. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. As you'll see worldwide. Yeah, but um, you read the Black Lives Matter thing on New Year's Eve uh, this year. You know, just on December thirty-first, just gone. Um, an Aboriginal rapper called Barker, a very strong black woman. Um, performed at the Sydney New Year's Eve fireworks, performed a song, and they were wearing Black Lives Matter t shirts. And uh, there was a huge outrage in the Murdoch media how dare they um, force politics on our children? <laughs> yeah, so, and it even made the Daily Express in in London, uh, a national newspaper in London that has millions of readers, which was saying the, saying the same thing disgusting to force this politics on our kids, you know um so that's the kind of reaction you get even just by raising uh, the term black lives matter uh, in australia um now not what one about, of those if, I, what if
0: you raise the term aboriginal death in custody <laughs> then what happens
1: then they argue and, that oh then they argue that oh statistically you know it also happens to white prisoners um yeah but the problem is that, that they'll say it also happens to white prisoners, but the problem is there are far more Aboriginal people in, in prison proportionally, mm. you know. Mm. So, and the, then they've got no. Well, maybe we shouldn't be locking them up so much, <laughs> you know. But, I mean, it's a device of keeping people oppressed. Is uh, you know that's why that's why they're doing it in the first place, you know. Um, that that rapper that I was talking about on New Year's Eve, Barker. Um, she, Not one of those journalists who were outraged about mentioning Black Lives Matter mentioned the record rates of Indigenous incarceration in Australia, or the fact that she herself, Barker, has um, served time in prison. And her EP is all about her bounce, bouncing back from that because of the strong black women in her lives in her life helping her, you know, to get back on her feet. So it's the uh, she's experienced that brutal inequality herself when it wasn't even being addressed by the media. It was just all oh, how dare they how dare she even mention it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the uh... The whole situation in Australia in in, in the past uh, couple of years is it's it's is you're what you, what's going on in New South Wales nowadays and you, you got you got people coming in from other countries or is it still um, is it still They've sort just, of an island?
1: They're opening up the international borders from February twenty first, I think. Yeah. Um, so anyone can come in. It's Western Australia is still closed off. Um, Because the premier there, Labor premier, who's also very pro fossil fuels and so on, (laughs) um, has found it really helped him with his um, popularity to keep the keep the borders closed. Yeah, Um, some business, high-profile business people have been slamming him and leaving the state in protest. Um, So uh, yeah, that's what's going on. The whole country is opening up on February twenty-first um but but it's been
0: the experience of the pandemic has been really different in different states of australia right depending on whether there's been covid there because some states have had just about nothing and others have had a a big problem is that is that right in new south wales yeah what's it been like where you are in terms of uh, have you you been able to get out of the house and have like go to gigs and stuff like that or has it been like locked down for central
1: no, personally, I have, I've got only one kidney, and it's sort of like fifty kidney stones, and it and it attacks okay. your kidneys. I've got a chronic disease um, that 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 um, means I'm really wary. So I go, I only go outdoors, you know, pretty much. Um, right. So that's my personal story. Um, you know, people are being asked to come back into work, including me. Uh, I work remotely, as you can see. I'm working working right now, um, but. Um, it's yeah, it's different for different people. Queensland was in a hard lockdown for ages trying to keep uh basically politicians found it, it to their advantage to lock down and and say, you know, I'm here to protect you, like the strong, the strong man, strong woman uh, thing that, that the leaders find benefits them, you know. So they were doing hard lockdowns of each of their states, and then the the Prime Minister Scott Morrison was asking them to open up for the sake of the economy. And so on but they were finding it too advantageous in my view to do the lockdowns because it helped them with their popularity so we had yeah the states were very separate and what was happening with them in terms of outbreaks and so on new south wales had a big, big outbreak because they let a load of infected people off of a cruise ship um which they later apologized for uh, that spread it throughout the community um, other states kept their borders hard shut to us i mean victoria had one of the hardest lockdowns like five to five lockdowns um but there was a lot of you know a lot of a lot of criticism from the murdoch media for the lockdowns because they're all pro-economy and opening up the economy and saying you know it's just a bad flu or whatever you know so uh that's been the situation here now when because a lot of Australians actually travel overseas all the time because it's very yeah. expensive to travel with travel within Australia, um, and they a lot of really people travel to,
0: to Australia too. I mean, you, you at a, any given time, I mean, in, in some town in Australia, how many people are yeah. tourists and how many are locals? I mean, there's a lot of tourism yeah. and, and a lot yeah, of travelers yeah. working there and woofing there yeah. and doing all sorts of stuff, right? Because, I mean, one That's of the right. things I've heard about in some town in some places that that where where there was like where everybody could kind of behave as normal because there wasn't COVID in their area but where there was nobody coming in from out of the area uh like in some places that that was happening some places in china new zealand different places i think parts of australia that was the case for for, for long periods where, where there was things were going on as normal in some area without without a lot of uh but without any interaction with the outside world. And the the music scene sounds like it got kind of interesting in some places because some music scenes, there's just, it's just really normal to have a lot of performers from all over the world or or a lot of different places, especially like like Chinese hip hop, for example. Like, you know, there's a lot of people who come in from other parts of the world to play in those clubs in China. and, And it's often the Chinese Acts are not the top billing ones, but during the pandemic, it was the Chinese acts from top to bottom of the bill. You know, uh, so could, that, that, could,
1: that yeah. That was, did you have
0: that. any? Is that but for you? That's all pretty much like you might have heard about that. But for you, you've been pretty much locked down, trying not to lose your kidney. Is that your been your pandemic reality?
1: Yeah, that's my very idiosync- <laughs> idiosyncratic yeah. experience. You and a lot of but other people. Of me- in, yeah, in terms of the in terms of the music industry here, it's been decimated. The the all gigs were cancelled. They keep trying to revive them. The big festivals, the festival scene here is huge. There's tons of music festivals all, all throughout summer and even in winter. And they kept you know getting all the the bills together and then having to cancel at the last minute constantly because there'd be a lockdown. Um, and they're not getting much help from the government. So uh, it's been devastating for. Gigging musicians here, yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't gig, you know. So yeah. fortunately, I don't have to live make like a living off my music. So, yeah.
0: But when you, um, assuming the pandemic's over and you can go out and not without risking your life and stuff, um, are, are, do you have any intention on gigging and playing out live and or working out live live versions of of your songs? Because I mean, that especially yeah. this this latest album, I mean, mm-hmm. it it would work so well, obviously, uh, that protest. But right. no, that's to, right. to say it would work well protest would is a serious understatement because you you integrate the chance that they would be chanting anyway and that people have heard anyway and they they they, that they'll love anyway because it's about you know especially if you're playing at a protest where that's the issue whatever it is you know you got it you know you got and and like you got all these songs which each one has a particular type of protest that it would be optimal for of course but but they would often you know work in various settings
1: that's why I was trying to prod you to do a cover version <laughs> of the album on this. Then, there's, on this then
0: there'd be a live. Okay, well maybe we'll, I'll have yeah. to work that out for this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, work out the so, live. So you're absolutely right. This album will be great as a, just a guitar and um, singing. Mm-hmm. Um, my guitar but karaoke player, we could
0: do it that way too, like a lot of hip hop artists would do a sort of a i mean they don't call it karaoke true. there's a that they do that yeah. kind of thing where they have the backing tracks, and if you've got a good sound system and that can really pick you up the do. bass and drums,
1: yeah you could do you could do yeah you're right, you're right, you're right, um I mean. My guitar playing ability is stretched to Michael roll, Michael rod the boat ashore. <laughs> and uh, and uh, knocking on heaven's door, and that's uh, and, and then I find I spend more time fixing broken guitar strings and tuning the thing than uh, I, I get to actually practice it, you know. So um, maybe when I'm 60 or something, I'll, I'll be able to perform those songs. <laughs> When I get when I get more time on my hands, I'll I'll get around to trying to perform them live as I, on the guitar. But um, yeah, you you've raised a good point. Maybe I should just do it with a laptop in the background. Have you ever heard of Sleaford Mods? Two guys. One guy just stands there on the laptop pressing buttons. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're I, great.
0: I, that's common. Yeah, I mean, which is good to have somebody else on the laptop because it's so often it's like the hip hop artist has a USB stick and and he's handing it to the engineer. And then the engineer, I mean, doesn't necessarily know exactly when is the best time to start the backing track, you know? So, <clears throat> if you, so then that can be the difference between everything working really smoothly and re- sounding really professional and, you know, yeah. sort of a comedy sketch. Yeah. Timing.
1: But as you know, as you know from being a live performer, and um, you don't just show up and wing it (laughs) you've got to put a lot of effort into honing your craft and that would be a whole new time sink for me you know i mean i actually make music just for myself as a sort of therapy to keep me sane um so to concentrate on doing a live show maybe but it'd be very time consuming as well and i don't have much time to do it you know
0: and it might not be therapeutic either. It might kill the whole purpose. <laughs> I mean, if if the purpose is to make music for therapy, then, then you know, performing could be just a, another source of anxiety. So they'd cancel it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Out. Do you get anxiety? Well,
0: mainly if I'm playing in an unfamiliar setting, like the first time I did a concert for children, I think I sweated more seriously right. i was so sweaty i could barely hold the guitar i was i, th- I thought i would I, I must have looked like i had a fever you know i was so well, nervous then, they, they right. loved it right. and i was just freaking <laughs> out because i just didn't know there if were they were, were going to like it
1: well i only hard. had children's they're music out
0: audience. online i i had no idea what whether they'd actually real children would actually like it you know
1: they're a hard audience. they're tough they're a very tough audience you know they're totally on travel I tra- yeah, I travelled through Southeast Asia and uh, in Laos, um, I did some voluntary work on a, on a, uh, on a farm and they asked us, did, did we come and speak to the local school kids, you know, in, in English just to improve their English, for an hour, to hold a class for an hour, you know, of six year olds. And me doing this, I was sweating like you, you know. Yeah. And the kids, some of the kids were lying down on their desks asleep. <laughs> they needed a yeah, nap yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy yeah, he's, yeah. he's
0: going to be leaving he won't know that i'm napping yeah
1: <laughs> they weren't interested at all it's tough it's tough
0: yeah 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 if you so how did music it go down? instead did, of just I, talking oh it was great because they they love it yeah. as soon as you play start playing music and and singing uh, they just love it you know and then and then it, then when they can see that these songs are intended for children, even if they haven't heard them before, they, they love them. And if they've heard them before, they love them even more, you know, they, then they love them so much that they just are like, you know, then you're, then they get starstruck and, and they just can't really quite believe that this person who's, you know, music they've been listening to on a CD is here in the room, and then it's it's kind of overwhelming for yeah. them. So it's it's kind of better yeah. if they haven't heard it before, and if I'm just like coming in, then then they just love it yeah. without being too too yeah. too starstruck. You
1: know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm still starstruck. I'm still starstruck as an adult by by some of my favorite artists. But um, oh, kids can be br- kids can be absolutely brutal, and the, the political uh, monthly political albums roundup that um, we've been talking about that I do I was doing it as a podcast until just recently where I get my eleven year old son in. so I'd come with my spiel on how the album is so great and then I'd go and what do you think of it Ziggy and he'd say yeah, you know it's pretty rubbish <laughs> so it was great. it was great to have that. It was great to have that brutal honesty, <laughs> but you know, trying to get kids to do anything is difficult. So I had to give up doing the podcasters recently because it was like driving me insane just getting him to do it. You know. yeah
0: yeah i had a very similar experience recently working on an album with a hip-hop artist and my uh, well kid i shouldn't mention names said well i'm not much into hip-hop so you know i guess that means i can't really you know share the tracks because then her attitude will just be well i'm not much into hip-hop so okay you know i just i didn't try to try to you know yeah. but yeah they they are
1: When you were uh, playing at protests, you you have a very different um, set. I mean, I've seen you play at protests before, and then I was really surprised when you last played Sydney to come and see you in an intimate um, gig setting that you did, where you inject all this humour, which I was really surprised about because I never saw you as a guy that would joke around, you know. Um, and that really is, if you haven't seen David Rovics live in that sort of setting, I'd definitely recommend going and seeing him because he's really entertaining in that in that sense. Um, do you deliberately I mean it's hard to joke around at protest right?
0: It's hard because you often only have a, a you know a short time you're, you're just up to sing one or two songs and there's something else coming right up and I, I think even in that situation if you can sort of get it together in your head, space it's really good to engage with the crowd and actually talk and i i think in my older age i'm i'm a little better at that than i used to be but but if i got the stage now and it's a show and then it's more casual and then then of course talking is is part of the part of the whole thing but it's it's uh, yeah it's important and i and i enjoy it and i never think of myself as funny but then, you know, people will laugh and I'll try to think, like, why are they laughing and, and see if I can say that line again at some other time. Yeah. You know, sometimes it works and other times it doesn't, depending on, you know, it might have been just <laughs> that situation at that moment that it was funny. Yeah. And, you know, I, I often have no idea.
1: Yeah. What's <clears throat> actually humorous, you know. All crowds will be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you find yeah. the change from country Country to country. Yeah, that's
0: an. I was just going to mention they changed. from. I mean, I was at. A, I was at one um, at at Glastonbury Festival one time. It was, I think, I guess the first time I I was when I was touring with Attila the Stockbroker in England, and and uh, mm. we were at the Glastonbury Festival playing at the cabaret yeah. stage. I think it was the the one wow. time I I got to play at that stage, and wow. uh, one of the other performers was a comedian from Los Angeles, who had been living for some time in England. I don't remember her name, but she was absolutely hilarious. But yeah, all right. of the jokes, but all the jokes were about were only funny if you were an American living in England, and there were like five Americans in the audience, and we were all just cracking up. We thought she was the funniest yeah. comedian ever. Yeah. All the English people were just sitting there silently, and must have been horrible for her. They didn't think she was funny at all.
1: Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. But of
0: course, they had never been an American living in England, and and there's just sure. it's just it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a it's a it's a limited little crowd. It's a certain crowd, sure. you know. Yeah, I guess yeah, it's yeah, a big yeah. enough crowd in England, in London at least, that you could probably make a living just playing for them, yeah. but um, yeah, uh, yeah. at Glastonbury, it's not so many Americans, you know.
1: Uh, well, sure. the audience would be pretty
0: wasted at <laughs> Glastonbury as well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, too, but that's, I mean, with the same token with Engl- with, with Attila's humor as it being... being you know he's a very funny guy, yes. he, he, and, yeah. and um, people are cracking up constantly in England. But right. his humor yeah. doesn't work outside of England. When he comes here, and, and his jokes just go right over people's heads.
1: Yes, yeah, sure, sure, China. sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Where did you grow up? In where? Where in England?
1: Uh, in Manchester, in the northwest of England. Yeah. yeah. So it's rain. Re- re- it's notorious even in England for raining all the time in Manchester. Oh yeah, it's like.
0: The yeah. rainiest little section probably outside of you know yeah. in, in England anyway. In Scotland you yeah. get even more rain. But
1: yeah. so that's why I was I was depressed cold, all the time. <laughs> yeah, cold, dark, yeah, yeah, cloudy, good. rainy. A lot of great a lot of great music comes out of there because people have got nothing to do, you know, they they're all holed up inside. Um uh, whereas here, a lot, you know, people are spending their time out in the sunshine and, and enjoying the outdoors. And um, so, the, the music scene in Australia wasn't as strong, I don't think. It's better in New Zealand, just across the Tasman Sea. Uh, brilliant music scene in New Zealand, but terrible weather. Yeah, <laughs> very changeable oh, weather. You. I live. I, I much prefer the
0: weather in New Zealand, but but the uh, yeah, yeah. I wonder the the music scene. I mean, it seems to me that there is something um, about the music scene in Australia that where where you you can feel that you are far away from a lot of other countries where they're playing this kind of music. Like, it just seems like. Um, yeah. Uh, like there's by the time anybody gets to Australia they've they've uh they, you know they just there's so many obstacles in their way that probably prevented them from ever getting there in the first place that you know most of the performers who are touring and playing any any different kind of style of music you name it they're never getting to Australia you know I mean so so it just sure. ends up being kind of out there <laughs> I mean it is out there but at least from a European or North American perspective it's it's far away
1: yeah, that's true. Um, I, I'm, I'm being—I mean, I'm being harsh on the Australian music scene in general, but there's uh, amazing Aboriginal hip hop here. And now, when I first heard the Aboriginal hip hop here, because I've always listened to radio shows from all over the world, actually, and then I tuned into the local um, Aboriginal hip hop show, uh, heard all these amazing artists saying so much, but they were—they were nowhere in the media. You know, they weren't getting any press at all. The people that get the press are the white rappers who are Mm -hmm. singing about drinking drinking and partying and um, sex and, you know, um, love. And um, this hugely switched on um, politically astute, um, you know, real acerbic uh, lyrically, uh, very educational music uh, in Aboriginal hip-hop wasn't getting any coverage at all. So with my voluntary work for Green Left, I started interviewing these artists and ended up interviewing 37 uh, different ones all around the country and compiling it in a book called Real Talk, Aboriginal Rappers Talk About Their Music and Country uh, which you can read online for free, Uh, just google Real Talk, Aboriginal uh, Rappers Talk About Their Music and Country and you'll find it on Facebook where you can read it for free or you can read it on Amazon set at Amazon's lowest price of about a dollar because you have to charge for it on there so, ended up with this book uh, that's really been very popular, um, illustrating those amazing artists. So there is some amazing music in Australia. It's just doesn't get the mm-hmm. coverage, you know? and, and that's the problem.
0: Doing doing the coverage yourself in terms of doing music reviews and and uh, and writing the book, you, you you have an impact that way. It's a, it's had an impact in terms of m- some artists getting a little more recognition or any any uh, particular experiences with that
1: uh in them getting recognition i don't think or, you
0: know, or think just it's... or just uh have you ever had the experience of of, uh, of a of a review or, or some effort you've made to publicize an album actually kind of like taking off and getting uh getting resulting in a maybe a mainstream press story that might not have happened otherwise or any kind of knock-on effect like that i mean sometimes it can um... be hard to uh, measure or be sure what happened and why but
1: not in not in Australia. The The green left readers are very enthusiastic about it. The um, Aboriginal community is very enthusiastic about it. And that they're the people that like it all the time on Facebook. Every day it's getting, you know, 10 more likes on on Facebook constantly for for years. Um, not from mainstream Australia, no. Um, around the world it has. It's been hailed as a must-read by Britain, Britain's I Am Hip-Hop magazine. Um, and and so on, but you know, so people around the world, and that is my experience. You know, from coming from England, all I knew about Australia was it was home to the Aboriginal people, who were the, you know, the oldest living culture in the world. You know, they're the world famous. You know, <laughs> and mm. then when you get here, they're not even listened to. You know, they're swept under the carpet. Um, you know, obviously it's something the colonists don't want to dwell on. Um, yeah. And you know they're brutalized, you know, and, and um, so that was really shocking to me. Um, and one of the songs I did uh, on an album called Filterable that I did, which is all about the media. Um, there's a song on there called "They Never They Never See Us as Teachers," um, and this that was inspired by me interviewing an Aboriginal journalist who works for um, television here on the Living Book program. He started out on the Sydney Morning Herald, but he had to leave because of the way it reported on his his people. You know, whenever the Aboriginal people are reported on, they're they're treated as a problem to be solved. Not as people who can teach, not as educators who should be listened to, but people who are a problem and we've got to solve this problem. Um, So it's completely the, the wrong way around. So that song, They Never See Us as Teachers, um, i asked uh, the godfather of aboriginal hip-hop as they call him or they actually call him the grandfather like an elder of aboriginal hip-hop called monkey Monk or mc monk i asked him if he'd, if he'd, he'd like to rap on it not expecting him to do so and he said great yeah i'll do it straight away and and uh-huh. got in his his, Musl- his muslim mate to also rap on it so it was this they never see us as teachers because they're also vilified by the mainstream media you know so it had yeah. this great extra angle to it and that that track's been really popular um being put on spotify playlists as you as we were talking about earlier um Great. so it's that's that, that, that ironically that guy monkey Muck, monkey Muck, the grandfather of aboriginal hip-hop has had number one hit records in thailand and the philippines <laughs> um, Great. producing producing for other artists and uh, he then taught me a lot of mixing tricks to mix better you know to mix my my music better you know to engineer to engineer the tracks better so we're talking about never Evans as teachers he was teaching me how to make music better yeah. you know
0: and that story of of uh, his music being so much more popular in other countries is such a classic one it, it was reminding me of when um, when the movie about the Irish Civil War, The Wind That Shakes the Barley, when it came out, it was like in okay. theaters all over Ireland, all over France, but in England, I think it was shown in like five cinemas or something, it was just, nobody was yeah. watching it there. Nobody yeah, was showing yeah. it,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's that's Loach, a real classic. Ken, doesn't, yeah. Ken Loach doesn't yeah. get the uh, the recognition that he deserves there, yeah, for good reason, no, probably. Not, not in England, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, England's a very right-wing uh, nation. Um, the only time it's voted in Labour, really, was when Labour went right-wing with the Thatcherite Tony Blair, you know, mm. and that's what... Uh, oh, the that's 70s what were
0: a good time in England. I hear about the 70s a lot from people. I mean, of course, there's so many veterans of the 70s still alive and kicking and the, the yeah. class solidarity, the kind of the waves of strikes that would go on, but then yeah. the 80s yeah. sure killed that. Thatcher yeah, and then... Was, the- yeah.
1: And look what happened to Corbyn. You know they saw that he was mm. about to. No almost got voted in, and then the media savaged him to make sure yeah. he didn't get in. You know, and spread all the anti-Semitism. No, all the lies. Yeah, yes, I'm dealing with that There's...
0: myself. And um, speaking of which, yeah. of uh, cancel culture and whatever else, I'm I, you know especially being home uh, for during the pandemic. You got any comments on the toxicity of the internet and how what's 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 it like working, doing music, doing reviews, and 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 then everything else, and writing a book, and then and and h- interacting with folks on on uh, social media? You, any any uh, words uh, <laughs> words of <laughs> wisdom or, or <laughs> any other <laughs> comments on that?
1: The internet can be a complete pile on. Um, kind of, it's like uh, when people get in their cars and they're tooting in the little metal box. Um, so I did do a piece uh, years ago um, criticizing music piracy because I read a book um, by a guy on the value of music and why you shouldn't really be downloading it for free. I know you did a song, steal this song or download this, this MP3. Um, but uh, that's the one time that I experienced a pile on and I was very surprised that um, people on the left didn't want to pay for music. They didn't want to reward artists for their work. Um, and they saw it as uh, heresy that I was suggesting they should be paying f- uh, musicians for their work, just like you'd pay any other worker. They were saying information should be free, uh, and so on. And, uh, and <laughs> you know, there, it was—it it was pretty. It got pretty. It got pretty vicious. Um, that surprised me. Lots of me. personal you know, insults
0: I'm... and all kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So just they very, just yeah. get
0: so ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, and it's you know it's very stressful, and that's why I sympathise with you, uh, with your the pile on that you've been you've been experiencing, because it's not pleasant. It's uh, it's very uh, it, it, it's frustrating because it eats up a lot of your mental space, um, you know right. when you could be doing when you could be doing better things, you know, um, and then you can look at it the other way. In that most musicians don't get any attention at all <laughs> right so then if you get piled on you're lucky
0: huh turn it to your, so your, your is, advantage
1: so this is the hilarious thing that i found in making music because i grew up thinking you know pop stars and rock stars or anyone who makes music musicians are really cool then when i started releasing my music myself i realized i read you've actually got to pay for people to like you, <laughs> you know. So there's loads of artists that are paying for false likes on Facebook, false likes on Instagram, false likes on Spotify. Um, they're paying um, media outlets to feature them. You know, when I passed this Wire protest album around media outlets, one said, yeah, great album. We can do you a special rate of $600, you know, for mm. a, re- for a, re- for a re- review. Oh, or we God. can do an interview for 1000 <laughs> Jesus, really? People are buying People are buying Facebook ads. I'm sad enough. I'm sad enough to be paying for Facebook ads to get my Why I Protest album in front of um, targeted audiences like Rage Against the Machine, uh, Ministry, um, these sort of big political artists, um, just to get it listened to. You know, I can write that off on 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 tax, as as you know. This is what musicians do. They get any sort of Mm. income, they can write off tax. But there's a guy called Brian Hazard who's a who's a synthwave artist, like synthesiser music, uh, who documents um, his attempts to get uh, people to listen to him, or to get you know any 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 kind of likes and uh, followers, or anyone interested in his music. He spends thousands every month and documents wow. it all, trying to get it on Spotify playlists, you know, trying to do T-shirt packages, CD bundles. He's got he's got hundreds oh, of I CDs piled up in his He's How does it work out for him? It's hilarious. It's actually hilarious because he does it with quite a bit of humor and everything fails. Pretty much everything really? fails.
0: He doesn't end up with a lot of followers at least?
1: He has got a lot more followers than me, but I bet he's, he's not got much more than you. And, and they're uh, not yeah, even real people, his- half of them, probably. He said, well, that's what he also documents, you know, oh, these are actually bots and this guy turned out to be dodgy and uh, all these followers I was getting in India, actually there's no engagement from from them. They are actually look like they're click farms. Yeah. Um, he's certainly not in the top 4% of artists uh, on Spotify, I'm sure, as you are. Um, so, you know, and, and he's spending a hell of a lot of money. Uh, I said, how do you do it? Do you write off on tax? He said, yeah, it is. Actually, that's how I do it um but um you know so this is the world that musicians inhabit this cool musicians are actually desperately <laughs> behind the scenes, desperately wow. trying to um, get them. So nowadays I probably, welcome an inter- I probably welcome an internet pilot, you know, because right. my, my, follow- <laughs> my following is so minuscule, you know. It's, it's kind of confusing because I'm doing dance music that's political and hardly anyone who's into dance music, they're into dancing, they're not right. into politics, really, you know. Oh, but so, I would think if they me, actually
0: got onto the dance uh, scene and then they heard that stuff, they'd just love it because it's you got to – if they get infected kind of in that uh, I guess I shouldn't use it, that term in a positive sense in the, during the pandemic anymore, but if they, if they get like, uh, they'll, they get the, the, they'll, they'll love it. Cause it, cause it'll be stuff that they can relate to anyway, musically. And then, and then it'll, you know, I, I suspect it's going to go over very well when there's actually uh-huh. a dance floor <laughs> where that can be played.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, thanks. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see.
0: <laughs> Well, Matt, it's been great talking to you, and I'll, get, I'll let you get back to work. And, uh,
1: I know. We'll they're hassling me. I've got, like, five on. notifications. All right. I've got you, better get, notifications you better pay attention. Be
0: to... <laughs> you're on the job yeah. right now. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thanks thanks very talking much for having me on. Yeah, you, Thank you too. Thank you. Take care. See you. see you. See you again.
0: And that was Matt Ward. And as you can see on the screen, if you're watching on the screen or if you're on the podcast later, it's Matt Ward, mat Ward.bandcamp.com. Check out his latest album, "Why I Protest," and uh, this will be in a podcast form shortly. Um, if you look for this week with David Rovics wherever podcasts are found, and next week will be my last broadcast of the winter before I um, hit the road and start touring around, and um, and then I'll do less live streaming until I'm back home again, whenever that might be that I'm here for long time to long enough time to start getting back into this. I'll probably get back into it soon enough. I'll let you know on my website and uh, take care everybody. Keep on keeping on. Uh, Screw the cancel culture and um, remember you have value and we need you. Bye for now.